of knowing. All right, man. Welcome to Crow Triple Seven. This is episode 279. Jason Lingren is with me, and Dylan Sacoccio is back. Uh, we're going to cover a wide range of things. It's going to have a lot to do with uh, people are exposed to things, and they take the surface narrative, and they miss that there's so much more. A lot of this is based around language. Uh, a lot of this is based around occult traditions. I guess I'll leave it there. Welcome, Jason. And good morning. So anything, or are we doing this? We're doing it. All right, man. Welcome, Dylan. Thank you, gentlemen, for having me back. It's beyond a pleasure to be able to talk to you guys, because I don't really talk to too many people about these subject matters. I think there's no substitute for the spoken word. And when you can communicate with other people, vibratorily speaking, you can get what they're picking up. There's a lot of subtext in all of the language we use. And sometimes that gets lost in symbolism or the written word. It's just really fun when you can actually have a meeting of the minds and talk about different ideas and kind of just see what everybody thinks about it. So I'm very grateful that you're having me back. Well, in some ways, the records that we've laid down doing this show for so many years, um, they're starting to be the only remnants. Like if you do searches for the moon landing is not real, it's almost scrubbed now. So many of the things that we get into here, as a matter of fact, I'm reasonably sure it was you who informed me there was a devil's pulpit too, which I had no idea. I think mm-hmm. it was you that told me that. I've burned through that book since. We we commented a little bit offline, but there's so much to know, and we've kind of been dumbed down to the point where everything's a story, and that's it. There's a surface narrative here. There might be a catchy little obvious lesson to catch, and uh, it's really about the dumbing down. And in the age of so-called information, it's really not. We are reaching a point now where the internet is just thoroughly scrubbed of so many things, unless you know how to do deeper searches. But to jump in, you know, we were talking a little bit about the Royal Stars. Do you want to pick up with the Hill of Mars or you want to cover the Royal Stars? Where do you want to pick up? We can do it whichever you prefer. I mean, I, I think it's probably good to go into the Hill of Mars first just because it's important to understand the control system that we're in. And um, and because the reason being is you're seeing what's playing out now. If you were to type in, the hill of Mars comes from the hill of Aries, Ares, right? And in Latin, that would be Areopagus, which would be A-R-E-O-P-A-G-U-S. But then the Greek would be, uh, if you were to transliterate it, would be A-R. E-I-O-S space P-A-G-O-S, Arios Pagos. Now, if you just go to Areopagos on Google and then copy and paste the Greek letters into Google Translate, it will give you back literally Supreme Court. So why is our Supreme Court and all of our judgment systems based on this old ancient Greek system. Well, it comes to the Templars and it comes to all this, the temple. And in order to understand that, we need to understand where the word temple comes from. And it's all pertaining to heaven because templum in Latin literally means a portion of the sky being marked off and measured in time, determined by the course of the sun and being marked off by the augers. With They, they use these staffs. They're called litulius. It's kind of like a, like a long staff with a spiral at the end of it if uh, you guys want to look it up. So when you hear words like temple, we think a physical house of God, like an edifice, like a, like a church or something. But the symbolic meaning comes from the sky and the signs of the zodiac. And so that clergy 
is what specialized in the administration of judgment. They were called Templars. And that's why when you see like where all of our um, the corporations that are all owned, by, you know, in America, everything, right? It's all owned by the Crown Temple. That's, that's why it goes that way. That's why everybody, they swear fealty to the temple bar, right? Rather than, you would think that a lawyer would serve fealty to our constitution, the Republic, but no, it's to the temple bar. And all that stuff in court, all of it, it's all in the city of London, but that crown temple was established by the church in 1855. Let me ask a couple questions here then. First of all, a lot of people will make the argument, some of the authors that I respect, that the Templars represent the first kind of banking that resembles what we see now. But there's another side to the word you're breaking down. Temp or Tempest, you know, you're going to get to time. Uh, there's no, when you get to T-E-M-P, you know you're going to time. And as everyone knows, Saturn or Kronos is going to be attached to that. And as we all know, uh, the judges wear those black robes. Do you see the Saturn connection and what you just laid down in regard to the Hill of Mars and the Supreme Court? Is there a relation there? 100%. And I don't disagree with those authors that you respect because that's essentially what the Templars became. They basically became that secret order. And then if you look at going back to banking, well, what were they doing? They were crusading and capturing castles. And they captured over like 800 castles on the way to Jerusalem, between Rome and Jerusalem. So they turned all those castles into banks because that's how they could secure safe travels. That's like basically where the original checking system is derived, where you could cash in your gold at the beginning of your journey and the receipt at the end, you get it. And then you didn't really have to worry about the highwaymen as much. So I don't disagree. Like there's no, there's no contradiction there. Uh, and basically what happened is eventually, and this is like according to certain people that have spoken from the church, whatever, it's not my, it's not my knowledge that I'm putting forth. But the way I understand it is basically the Templars got so powerful that eventually like we're doing all the work. Why should we be paying any of this back to the Vatican and the royalty? So they became their own thing. And that's when this isn't really talked about, but people have been killed allegedly for disclosing this from the Vatican itself, that they basically funded Islam to get Jerusalem back from the Templars. And so that's what started the imperial Islam stuff. And so they can't expose any of it because it brings them all down. <laughs> because it just shows how corrupt and gross statism and the cycles of mobs and nations are. A lot of people have tried to draw the line that the Templars basically, to be very simplistic about it, they, they start the banking as we recognize it, or maybe even corporation as we recognize it today. Loans, checks, these, these kinds of things, interest, usury. But some people claim that you hear the story, oh, this French guy whacked them all on Friday the 13th. Well, no, they, no, he didn't. They were international. So how, how could one country have whacked them all? But the claim is, is that they went to Switzerland and set yeah, up camp sure. there and have been there ever since. And there's a reason that Switzerland doesn't get any type of violence or bombing <laughs> or anything, you know, and, right. and look at the Swiss people there. It's awesome. They, they all, they all know how to use guns. They all have, they can assemble a standing army of a hundred thousand people on the snap of a finger. They're basically what America was. When you look at this country, that's what we were. The whole people is the militia. We weren't supposed to have be sending people abroad. Even like John Adams was like, you know, America does not go abroad in search of monsters to destroy. And so that's why you're 100% right. There's Switzerland, 
you can look at the flags. I mean, everything. The symbols don't lie, and that will tie into the royal stars when you look at those crosses. Well, do you want to do you want to push through? And by the way, uh, we should we should try to since we're apparently going into a Saturnian like age, or even if that's wrong, and I can't prove it clearly, the media and the powers that be are pushing the idea of the air age and the Saturnian ideas. But do you want to push through uh, the hill of Mars here? Because I think people would be interested to know. I would like to suss this out just because I think it's that important because you can see how it ties in culturally from different cultures over time. And I think a lot of people, they want to understand where maritime admiralty law comes from when it comes from Rhodian sea law and who is Rhode, uh, the wife of Helios or Helios, right? So all of this stuff is all related, even though some of the symbolism I'm talking about might sound foreign and wacky to people hearing it the first time, but I think it's important to push through it. All right. Well, so first of all, I'll, I'll get you started. So do you consider the, the Supreme Court judges in the United States, they're clergy. And if they're clergy, uh, they're wearing the black robes, but there's going to have to be a distinction here between the sun and Saturnian ideas. But so I'll ask point blank, are these guys clergy? I think it's worse than that. Okay. They, they symbolize the nine archons. There's nine archons in the Adios Pagos. There's nine Supreme Court judges. How are we defining archons? based on the Adios Pagos, the hill of Ares. That's the, that's the old um, system of Athens. I think what Jason's asking is the actual word archon. What, I mean, the way we're using it here, it would oh, basically ruler. be I'm sorry, ruler. like no, a no, ruler. No, no. You never have to think about aliens or any of that fan. That's why my work's not popular. I'm not into all that. Like, <laughs> and it's, like yeah, I'm not going to be blowing smoke up your audience's ass. Sorry. When I say archon, I'm actually talking about the Greek meaning of the word rulers. There we go. Sorry. Sorry, the good good call, Jason. <laughs> All right, so so let's jump in. Um, well, these guys, these guys are clergy. These right? guys, sun judges, or are they Saturn judges? What are these dudes? So, in my opinion, when you talk to me, it's always going to be solar because this is based on like again, what you and uh, Howdy were talking about last night, or you know, obviously it's like a, like a month ago, whenever it go, aired, is. You have the two pillars, you have the obelisk, right? You, uh, in the modern day, you hear all these people saying like the obelisk is a phallic symbol. And it is in a spiritual sense, but it's really representative of the rays of the sun. So when you look at the two signs, the reason they're called Templars is because they are based on the judgment of the sun. And this happens at two points that you both know, and that's the two signs where the equinoxes are. And that's Aries and Libra. So you have Aries being chosen because that's where all the reckoning began in the Western world. As like a lot of this stuff, like when you look at the calendar of Romulus, it starts in Martius, which is March, which is Mars, which is Adies. Adies in Latin, it means ram, but it's connected to the Sanskrit word Rama, which means the most high. So it's all connected. That's why when you see Abram, I'm seeing that, again, you have Father of the Most High. That's where I totally diverge and, and my, I completely disagree with uh, Robert Taylor's assessment of that. I think it's the sun symbolism. Let's stop there for a second. Um, I, I think it's both. But um, for me, I can't separate uh, the Saturnian ideas. And part of it is from common sense. If you go down the line to any given religious tradition that's old, we can show that 
the Hebrew ideas are all based in Saturn. Even the black cube that the orthodoxy wears on their head or the, you know, the black thing, they spiral down their arm and then around their middle finger, which is the Saturn finger. There's so much evidence to show that it's Saturnian. But I think what you began to touch on is the idea that Taylor laid down about the acceptable year of the Lord. Now there's your real judgment, right? But I think where you and I may either disagree or not be able to get where we want to go is the idea of Saturn being the, actually the most powerful. The father of Jupiter is Saturn. These kinds of ideas. You see the father going is here? the sun. <laughs> right. So there it is. There it is. So, so, I mean, are you suggesting it's all just clever wordplay? Yes. I'm suggesting wow. that. And I'm also, what's the root word of Saturn? Saturn. I just gave it to you. Set well, set, set. Right. Sowing. When do you sow your seeds? Springtime. When does the first vernal equinox happen? And or the first equinox, I should say, yeah, spring. So that's just where I'm coming from when I look at it. I'm not saying that people haven't made all that symbolism about the planet Saturn. I'm not suggesting that. I'm not suggesting those people don't believe what they're doing is Saturn worship. You know what I mean? Like I'm not saying that I'm not invalidating anything you just laid down. I just try to purify it to the root symbolism when I look at this stuff. So I don't I, I'm with you. And actually, I, I, I reiterated some of your root symbolism that I had looked at earlier. Like, let's consider Ab Ram or Abram. That's his mm-hmm. name before he becomes Abraham, right? Before yeah. And what's Ham? Darkness actually burnt <laughs> in some. Yeah, right. Yeah. So there's your black idea again. That could also be pushed back to Saturnian ideas. But I think we're looking at both. And here's why. Where does Abram come from? Well, it's Ur. It's U-R. That's gold. That's the sun, right? Do you agree with me? And what do alchemists call gold? The sun of the sun. <laughs> and there, there it is. I mean, so I, I think we're looking at, it's almost like within the framework of everything we have to talk about, it's the sun. But then there's these single narrow spectral things that are grabbed onto and leveraged in. So instead of looking at a rainbow and saying, look, there's seven beautiful colors, you say, hey, man, you see that one color? That's the one I want to use. That's what it kind of feels like. Um, But for me, I don't think I can separate anything Old Testament from Saturn to the point, and I know you read it, uh, Taylor makes the argument that when you're saying the Lord's Prayer, when you say, Father, you have no idea where your prayers are going to, And I think it's pretty proved out. I mean, he goes all the way back to Chaldean language, for crying out loud. Are we going to mention that Judaism is essentially Saturn worship, or are we skipping that part? That was the roundabout wedge I was trying to jam in. (laughs) Jason just takes out his Thor's hammers. (laughs) (laughs) I think what Dylan's pointing out is the key conundrum for most people who start looking at this because how can two things we we don't want to think that this one thing is two things at once and so much of it is that like this dude's the sun all of a sudden that dude's not the sun anymore it's this dude's the sun and all of us you know it goes like that all the way through it's complete it's non-linear allegory that is actually linear linear if you know how to think about it but i think and i'll can i I take a step something really oh sorry well i'll I'll throw this down see if you agree so basically the acceptable year of the Lord, that's all about the sun yes. and the, the ultimate arbiter of this world. But it's almost like the Saturn idea seeks to one up a divinity. That's what it feels like to me. Like we're human beings. We're ingenious. We can make all this technology. We can become our own gods. That's kind of what that angle feels like to me. 
so I'll just ask, I mean, is that what we're looking at? It's everything's the sun because that's the acceptable year. That's, that's time as we know it. But Saturn is the most outside, the oldest, the slowest, the father of the most prominent planet. Otherwise, um, that's just a single spectrum being wedged in to solar ideas, isn't it? Yes. And I think you actually, you know, it's funny, Crows, you have a really good way of articulating things in a very simple manner that might take someone like me a little bit more to compile. But you were like, for lack of better words, it's basically the sun is like an actor playing different parts at different times of the year. And that's that's probably one of the best routes for people to kind of harken back to. And the reason this is so divisive is because people are not using their higher mind to grasp the whole picture, which is if you look going back to what you would say, like the acceptable year of the Lord, whichever culture you want to look at it in, specifically in the our current one where it's like Janus, right? It's the old year and the new year. We're we're the old year. We're old father time right now. And he's about to the sun's about to die on the 21st. It'll stay still, solstice, uh solstice, which means in Latin, soul, sun still, literally. For three days, it doesn't rise in a degree. It stays at that low point and then it rises again. And so what you see symbolically, and this goes back to like with like the Hermetic Brotherhood and stuff, is Saturn becomes uh, Jupiter, if you will, Jupiter Amun, right? So you have the angel of death, the dying old winter sun that kills everything in the wintertime now is going to start making its journey back to the tie point of the summer solstice. So the angel of death and the angel of life are one and the same. They are not, it's not separate symbolism. It's people taking symbolism and like you said, just wedging out one color and then for their lifetime or whatever they develop their cult around, they're now like obsessing over that one thing. Which is critical because people need to hold on to what you just said. And so many of these allegories with deeper meaning, you're looking at a thing that you accept as good and a thing you accept as evil. At least that's how we're taught to think about it or light and dark, but it's this just two sides of the same coin. It's actually this, if it was an actor on a stage, it would be the same dude. Here's this dude, this time of the year. Now it's this time of the year. So he's this other thing up here. He, we consider him good. Same actor goes down, changes his costume, same actor, now he's bad. And people need to hold on to that idea because it is part of how it gets so difficult to understand. And we need to address something Jason said, because what he, he said is all Judaism, Saturn worship. Well, where Jew comes from, an old name for the sun. So when you look at Jew Pater, right, you're literally saying God, the father, God, our father who art in heaven. So if you're an Abrahamic, regardless of which cult member you're in, you're a Jew. So everybody that grew up in that Abrahamic structure would be a Jew because it all comes from the cult of Jew Pater, Amun, Amun, the hidden one, the sun hides. Jew Pater is the sun. If you were to write out like probably where it came from in Greek, the, the, if I were to transliterate that, it would look like I-A-W. So if it would be Iota, Alpha, Omega. So if you write that out, a capital iota looks like a or capital I in English. Alpha, lowercase, looks like a lowercase a. And then lowercase omega, which is an O, but in lowercase, it looks like a little W. So that is encoded right there, the name, Jew. I am the alpha and omega, iota, alpha, omega. 
And you see that on the church windows, everything. This but, is where I'm coming from. It's not Saturn worship. It's the sun. Beginning but, and the end, the first and the last. So is this how Saturn and the sun get interchanged a lot, though? Well, they're one and the same. When you talk to me, it's always going to be the one and the same. I understand that the Greeks started calling Saturn Kronos in the second century, around the, actually, like the first century AD, they started ascribing names to the planets of gods, right? So they called what we call Jupiter, they called that Zeus, what we call Saturn. Now they called that Kronos, what we call Venus, they called Aphrodite, uh, what we call Mars, they called Ares or Arios, and then what we call Mercury, they called Hermes. Hermes for people, yeah. Yeah, so they describe all this stuff. They they did this. They are the ones that started putting God names on the planet. So so here's here's my beef. I, I mean, I agree with everything you've said, but it appears, and I don't know if you're going to agree with this or not, but it appears to me that there was a fall. Whether there's been more than one fall, or whether the biblical fall um, in the, in the Garden of Eden references the only fall we've I I, I can't tell you. I don't know, but we've had a fall. Now, the difference between what I see prior to a fall is a full spectrum respect for nature. In other words, look, the rainbow's got seven colors. We appreciate all seven colors. We use, we recognize, we don't harp on any one point of that spectrum. Look, the sky mm-hmm. clock is up there. We do it all. It's all there. We recognize it equally across. Now we get into religion, the era of religion, where we're actually going to say words like Jew, which, by the way, is not a genetic line. It's not. It's provably not a genetic line. And so what happens there, from my point of view, and all the years of research I've done, is everything gets segmented. And this is part of the fall. Christianity becomes supposedly Jupiterian ideas, and Judaism or Hebrew ideas become more Saturn-centric. And Venus is relegated off to uh, the Middle Eastern ideas. And of course, Mercury can be shown all day to correspond with the Buddhic traditions. And so if we were to go back to prior, but maybe before the Mahabharata, you can find writings where it doesn't feel so segmented off. And so this is where the confusion comes from. If we want to talk about a year, well, there's no beef. The sun's doing that. We don't, without, without the sun, we don't have a year. And the sun was almost always, it seems, the primary thing being respected or held up or worshiped. And almost every tradition I've seen to the point or even all the little supposed planets with their influences are being lensed through the sun, these types of ideas. But here's the thing. How do you separate the obvious symbolism and orthodox Judaism, like the cube on your forehead, the black cube, that thing, that black band winding down your arm around your Saturnian finger? That's clearly, yeah, these are clearly picking out that one point in the spectrum and to be fair, I don't know if I would have accepted it, but in modern TV movie, you can see it. You can see the Saturn symbolism all day. So, I mean, what do you think? Am well, I off so, my rocker? No, but it's because you haven't covered the Tetractis, which we'll do right now. So basically, for the audience's benefit, type this in in like Google search images while we're talking about this. Tetrad. T-E-T-R-A-D, right? That's allegedly made by Pythagoras. So this, it, it encodes the name of the great architect of like, basically he made this after the great architect of all the religions, the name of God, Yova, 
that right that would be the yod hey vav hey that you see some people call it tetragrammaton some people call it yeshua jehovah it's yova that's how they say if you ask someone in israel how to pronounce that it's yova the pope says hova right that's why jay-z calls himself hove it's jove j-o-v-e that's why if you were like one of the grossest translations you'd ever see in anything anybody calling it the book of job has no idea what they're actually looking at and that beta is like a v yova yov the book of yov right and so he created this thing called the tetrad which is basically a triangle made of 10 points how many times do we say 10 right the yud in hebrew numerically equates to 10 so in numerology it's 10 so that's why there's that's the first letter in the name of god and that represents the unity consciousness and i even heard you allude to this on your show with jason recently with the theosophic edition where when you add up all the numbers from 10 right if you were just go one plus two plus three plus four plus five plus six plus seven plus eight plus nine plus ten you would get 55 which reduces to 10 which reduces to one because the monad one that's how they conceived god all is one right all is the mind so in that tetrad, if you pull it up and you guys, if you can do it while you're watching, that'd be great too. You will see the very center of that triangle is a square, a hexagram, hexagon. So in that cube, you have all three of the branches of the Abrahamic traditions as far as the mo modern world goes encoded in that cube. That's why the cube is so important of that sun. And you will see the cube for Islam in Mecca. You will Kaaba, see, right? Kaaba, yep. You will see in the hexagram that makes the three-dimensional cube. If you connect the the square, you will see it's very easy to perfectly fit in what we call the Star of David, which is a portion of Solomon's seal. That's why it's called the Solomon seal by older cultures. And when you look at like art purveyors, they won't touch something if they're if someone's claiming that they have like Jewish art. And it has this uh, the Star of David on it, and it's like prior to like the 17th or 18th century. They won't touch it because it wasn't it wasn't a culturally used symbol till recent times. So, back to the cube. If you unfold the cube, it would make the cross. So the cross folds up into a cube, and that's where the idea of the universe unfolds like a rose. That's where you get this Rosicrucian symbolism and the ro the Enfolds itself back up like a cube. What about the fact that there wasn't a letter J? Shouldn't we address that just to step back for a moment? It was I. So like it's just it was still you still have the same the same sound. Like Jupiter was just spelled I U P P I T R. There's various ways of spelling it, but yeah, that wasn't but, invented till like the the, the curve J wasn't invented till back to like the 16th century, I believe. But you were mentioning Job, right? I O like like I O V iota right so he's that's what he was pointing out is that people are saying job don't understand the roots in the original um and he gave you the other two ways that it's typically said but i mean what you're pointing out jason that the name of jesus any of these things has been swapped around right even to the point where before j it was an i but before Ro rome there was no u.s termination on anything people were not terminating names or words with augustus Jesus. None of those things were there. But to get back to the Tetragrammaton, 
and by the way, just so people follow the thread, he was talking about Pythagoras, if you didn't catch that. Um, it, to me, you're making the, the very argument that I was making. So here the, here's this holistic symbol that's got it all, but you yep. can grab little parts and say, oh, look, this cube folds out to a cross. Oh, look, this, you know, it, it's the same thing. It's almost like if you took the whole tetragrammaton, which, by the way, some people claim that the star of David, so-called star of David, is like a, a 2D representation of that idea, whether or not you accept it. It's clearly two triangles above is below brought together. But if you took that whole symbol and used it holistically, you'd be carrying the whole sack of potatoes, right? Yeah, and I think what we're looking at is it, we're looking at a grander scale, what we're talking about. And on like a lower scale, you see this, what they do, what they did to the symbolism they do with politics, right? You yeah, have people, you. Yep. it's like literally people fighting with each other, pretending they're different and not <laughs> yeah. having any idea that it's all the same. Like the, the initiates, they go into any temple they want and make any sacrifice they want. They don't care if it's if it's a Jew going into Islam, if it's a Christian going into Islam, and Islam going into, it doesn't matter. The people who, the cult, they switch this up themselves so that the people never catch on. The problem is, is the internet effed everything up for them. Now they're scrubbing it, like you said, which is why my third book, the reason it's kind of more expensive is because it costs way more to produce because I put college, color imagery because I can't tell people how difficult it's been to recapture stuff that I found a long time ago and then I try to find it again, it's gone. And that's one of the hardest things to preserve is like color imagery of what you're talking about. So I'm thinking like in 200 years, 300 years, if someone finds it, they can help themselves get reacquainted with this stuff. So we, we started in on the Hill of Mars. We started in on the Templars. We got into the nine. Supreme Jason Court. had to take out Thor's hammer. <laughs> I know. So, so let's, I do that. People <laughs> want to know. So let's pull it back around. I think let's where we that. left off is there's two signs where all the magic happens, which is Aries yep. and Libras or the equinoxes, spring and vernal or spring and fall. Um, I think that's about where we were. And just so people know, you can equate the equinoxes with the pillars, Boaz and Joaquin or whatever they are. Mm -hmm. So go ahead. So the reason the equinoxes are more important in regards to judging everything equally is because it literally means in the name equal night. And during that time, the sun judges both the world, that's how they conceptualize it, everything in equal day and equal night for 12 hours each. And so that's why on one side, they begin in spring because I think you've so beautifully shown how there's this energy in this world. Regardless of what your opinion on how it's done, things come to life in the springtime. Something about it, it's like fertility. It's, it's, just, it's, it's just incredible surge of energy. And versus Libra, which is that exact same time of year where things are waning and dying. And that's why it's represented as fall. And that's, if you look at, uh, we, we will go, this directly relates what you're talking about with the Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve, fall, the fall of man. But for the audience's conceptualization, it's all about judgment. And these are the two times of the year where the sun judges everything equally. But, but there's a difference. So we need to quickly, I want to, I don't want to run out of time here. I want to get into Con La Calavera, if you follow, and, and Aries, because there needs to be a differentiation. But those, when you're in the spring equinox, the justice is slightly different than when you're at the fall equinox. And so let's make the point, like you could consider it in this way. 
to conceptualize it. In the spring, you're going to plant, right? And then you're going to go grow, 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 get over to the autumn. And then all this grace or this return is going to come to you based on what you did. You're going to harvest all your seeds. But Dylan, can you maybe reframe it just so that people understand these two equal times where, where judgment is clearly the thing, it's slightly different in how it's represented and what it means. So what you're going into is the covenant of works, which is the seven months of summer, the seven Asiatic churches, which would be from Aries to Libra. Then you have the five months of suffering, which would be the winter covenant, which is what you said, the covenant of grace. That's how many hills on Capitoline? Seven hills of Rome. You see? And if there's one thing I want to give you credit for, Crows, you've always showed how like you can't trust Italian history because literally when you look at Italian history, it's just astrotheology encoded. That's in all it story. is. It's seven literally seven and I'm planets, Italian. Seven I'm hills. telling you this. Not not only that, did you know? I don't know if you're aware of this, but the Palatine or whatever the hell the name where we got the Sistine, that's originally a cemetery back in the day. So it's built on death ideas, literally built on death ideas. But go ahead. Going back to the return of judgment, the reason it's it comes it comes from Greek. So adies, right? In Latin is was called krios from Greek. And the root of that is krino, which means literally judge. So not only is the sun judging night and day equally, but then you also have the sun judging the year because these are two markation points that are like literally the most important for survival. And as you could say, the heaven and hell construct that we, um, there is like, they, they market like the gates of hell essentially start in Scorpio, which was also called the slaughter month because people would kill all their animals and preserve the meat to last through winter. And so in scripture, we're just going to what you were saying with like, the reason Aries is, is different is Aries because it's literally encoding the most high, the Ram, the Ram, you have what is called Golgotha, which means skull. So Christ is crucified on a hill named Golgotha. And it's also called a Calvary cross, which comes from the Latin word Calvarium, which skull. means skull. Right. And so that's where it pertains to cerebrum. We talked about this last time. Sere, seed, series, cereal, right? And then Brahm, seed of the most high. So that is your optic thalamus. And that the reason is when they did like autopsies and stuff and took the human being apart, the nerve ganglia between your eyeballs and your cerebrum and down your spine, it literally looks like a crucifix. And so there's that layer of symbolism built up in the Bible as well. And then returning to like what you're saying with the fall and all that stuff, this is why Michael is depicted holding scales and he's stomping on a serpent or Satan however you want to tell the story, because this is the sun passing into the second equinox or which is judgment day. And that's why they actually used to reckon it around the 29th of September. And oh. that's why, yeah, that's why it's called Michael Moss day in the old days. And that's like the feast to the St. Michael and all the saints. So, of course you're moving into that old serpent, that old worm, which we're going to just yeah. call Scorpio too. There's that, that as well. So astrologically, what you're seeing in the sky is the sun moving through Libra and what's over there in the sky, serpents. And then you can, so this is like the Roman version, right? But we're going to start going into the fall, the Old Testament style, the description of all this stuff. Or oh, one more thing to prove this in art, when you see depictions of Jesus on the cross with Mary at the foot of the cross, 
This is the symbol of the sun leaving Virgo and entering Libra, right? And you also will see uh, this symbolic type of deal in goddesses with lion, lion bodies like Inanna, right? And like ancient Sumer and all this stuff. You have this goddess head and a lion-like body. That's the sun leaving Leo and going into Virgo. This time of year is like the most important to the solar cult. But paradise, let's just go into like the fall. Paradise comes from paradis, paradiseos or something like that. What is it? Yeah. Desos. Para, paradesos. Yeah. Paradesos. Golly. And basically that is Latin encoded. Para and then dis. Dis means God, gods. It's a plural. So paradesos literally means among the gods. So right there, that's a key to knowing what you're talking about with paradise or with heaven. It's all in the stars. And so when you look at the constellation on the eastern side of paradise at that time, you have Perseus. And Perseus spans in the signs of Taurus and Gemini, which is like the middle to end of spring. So Perseus wields the flaming sword in mythology. And Gemini is the constellation of the little children who are the cherubim. And this is astrotheology encoded literally in Genesis 3.24. So he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword, which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. And so what in the sky is flaming and keeps the way of the tree of life? This is where people can start looking at this at a deeper level of what really is the tree of life. What is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? All of this stuff. And so when you look at Perseus and Gemini in the east, that would be the east of the Garden of Eden. And so in the west, at the time of year the sun is on the other side of the zodiac, you have a constellation called the Herdsman. You guys know what it is? Boades, or boots, most people so, say, but it's actually Boades. It's Votis. It's with a V. Just Eta. so people know where we're going, currently, if you look it up, it will be B-O-O-T-S, the herdsman. Yes. So he's going back to the older language. And by the way, before we go forward into the herdsman, which is critical, you should understand that everything he's laying down is also, these ideas are encoded in like cathedrals. This this is more than just saying, hey, the sky was, people encoded this to the sky. It's actually the path. If you understand this stuff, it is actually a path to becoming a higher human being. I think we should make that pretty clear. Yeah. And again, because our life cycle actually mirrors the cycle of the sun. Right. It's very, so I, it's all very beautiful. So I knocked you off it. What you're going to well, say no, no, is no, I was just saying, So like at that same time of the year, if you, so for the audience, look up constellation serpents, look up votes or how you'd say boots, B-O-O. People would say boots. Yeah. Yep. And Virgo. But again, going back to remember the Yov and Job, it's that same, they didn't, Whoever is in the modern era is totally effing that up by calling it Book of Job. It's Jove or Yov. And so the three constellations important to that allegory, as the sun passes into that, going back to the Virgo symbolism, you have Virgo, the virgin, which is Eve. You have Votes, the herdsman, which is Adam. And you have serpents, the serpent. So as the sun passes through them in the Garden of Eden, the solar system, the zodiac, you have them tempting. The sun is literally, you have the serpents, they all fall. The sun is going into fall. That time of year is getting colder. The sun is lowering its ecliptic. And just to illustrate that relationship really quick between the moon and Saturn, which, which is the merry time, 
the reason that relationship is special is because Saturn has, like you said earlier, the highest orbit of the planets. The sun's ecliptic is directly in between that of Saturn and that of the moon. And that's why the moon and Saturn have a special relationship with each other symbolically. And so the allegory of the fall of man is why autumn is called fall as a season. The sun is losing its light each day as it moves towards the Tropic of Capricorn. This time of year, go out right now. It's longer shadows, everything. But let's make it clear. This is one level. There is also literally a fall of man. And there's more than that. But I just think we should make it clear that we're not trying to replace one surface narrative with a deeper narrative and say, this is it. It's not it. It's one level of all this meaning. Well, it goes back to the principle of correspondence, right? As above, so below, as on earth, so in the sky. They always mess this up by saying as within, so without, but it's not. It's the outward doth from the inward role and the inward dwells in the inmost soul, right? And so it's like this cycle of rising and falling, whether it's our lives, whether it's nature, whether it's empire, whether it's religion, they all have their birth. They all have their growing up. They all have their prime. They all have their death. And then something else is reborn. This like is right the now. world. Yeah. Like, like right now, what's going on? Yeah. People need to draw this line. So why is it that everything changed in 2020? Well, it's because of the sky clock. Because someone understands things or is using, I don't even know if that's the right word anymore. They're using a method that was once recognized. And just to put a fine point on it, the best breakouts of the information you're going to find uh, all go back to supposedly Chaldea. So people know where that is. That would be a place in, in modern day Iraq or thereabouts, Babylon is sometimes associated with that. In the modern, if you accept era, that as historical, right? If you accept that as historical, exactly right. But uh, in the modern day, when our army, when I was in the Marine Corps, went in and supposedly someone broke in to steal all those old antiquities, this is what it's about. But more so, all the Chaldeans or many of the Chaldeans at that point were Christian, an Islamic nation. So many of the Chaldeans, which were Christian came into places like Detroit, uh, in San Diego. There's a lot of Chaldeans. I knew them. I've worked with them, but to get back to the point, it is claimed from the oldest things that we can't even like Robert Taylor will reference a book. I can't even get my hands on a good 50% of the books he mentions, but he will say that Chaldea was the highest reach of understanding astronomy or what astrology. It was all the same thing. Science, religion, belief systems, how you live, it was all connected to the sky clock, however you want to use that to phrase it. Chaldea was the the height of it, with apparently thousands of years, it is claimed to understand. The what they did, it is claimed, is the priests made these elaborate allegories so that they could remember and reference and understand the sky clock, but it served a few purposes. One of those purposes was the low echelons of the average man or woman will see a fancy story and they'll enjoy it as if they were at a movie. That is the surface narrative of the allegory. What the priests and the initiated are understanding is everything else. And it's in the same story. This is the kind of, I don't know whether you want to call it warped or genius, whatever you want to consider it. This is what we're talking about. This allegory and whether or not you want to accept that Chaldea was the first, it's pretty clear every priest class worth its salt did the exact same thing coming through time. 
Yeah. And I'm at the point where I actually don't accept the Chaldeans as a real group of people other than, but the point remains the same, that it's a group of magi in the priest class. And the reason being is I don't accept Babylon as a historical thing for the same reason. I don't accept my own history as an Italian. Yeah. I can't blame if you that. ever, if you look at it, you see the spirit. Once I see the allegories encoding historical, like the same reason I don't accept Alexander the great. Well, who is his father? Who is his mother? <laughs> The sun, the moon. (laughs) I mean, like, this is like absolute nonsense to me. And once you see it, you can't unsee it. It's just like, but for those who want to look for the the Chaldeans, are uh, referenced in the uh, Bible as the Chazdin, which would be, uh, I think it's like C-H-A-Z or yeah, Z-D-I-M, something like that. So you can look that up. They're mentioned only, I think, uh, once or twice, very little. One of the words that they uh, they had for their name for Saturn was Rempath, Remphan. I always mess this up. R e m p h a n. I think it's uh, spelled. You'll have to. You have I to. Thought it was Remfer, but go ahead. It, it's it's been years since I like did this, so I, if I'm a little rusty, that's why. I, I know where you're going. Go ahead. Well, I was just saying, like, so the narrative that Robert Taylor tells is that basically the Jews took the Chaldee stories and like turned it into a historical thing because they didn't know what they were actually taking but they made up their own history based on that method but i don't really going back to what jupiter is what all that stuff i don't accept that at all so i just i just totally different for that and i i leave that for what it is i think it's important but going back to like the second part jupiter a moon zeus amon all that stuff jesus the amen that a moon always goes back to the hidden one which is when the sun hides, it begins its hiding as soon as it starts dying from the summer solstice. The days get shorter and shorter and shorter until we have this time of year where like it's dark where I live right now by like 3.30, 4 o'clock. And so that's why he's called the God that hides. Another allegory you'll see or in this time of year that has also been kind of sensationalized recently in like the kind of alternative research is that Ophiuchus right? Which used to be called not that long ago, Serpentarius. But Ophiuchus literally comes from the Greek Ophis, serpent, and Cush. Because I remember I told you last time, uh, Cush is also spelled C-H-U-S in older texts. And again, it's going to be meaning the fiery serpent because Cush is the sun. So that ties it directly to the Nephilim, the fiery serpents. It ties it directly to the bishops of Christ from Egypt. Serapis, right? Which literally is the blood of the bull, the blood of Christ, the blood of the king, if you will, because Apis or Apis, right? A-P-I-S, that was the bull god, the sun. In the age of Taurus, I think we're we're referencing here, right? So people Mm -hmm. should understand that even back in the day, you can demonstrate that the ages, like when you go to certain parts of Egypt and there's bull statues all around, that's the age of Taurus. And when you get up into supposed Hebrew, that was supposed to be the age of Aries. That's the head and the human body, by the way, but they're still blowing the ram's horn till today. These are the ideas being put forth. But I got to come back on something here, Dylan. I'm with you all day long that you don't accept these things because history is a damn lie agreed upon from the Taylor work. And it's not the only place. I think he did a pretty freaking good job of citing the language sources, but I see where you're drawing the line and there is a problem because we can't get at some of those, or I can't get at a few of those sources. But in some cases, he's even citing a famous writer from a previous time and the chain goes back. And lastly, you know, I've, I've known Chaldean people, so there's something, whether it's a bloodline or not, 
doesn't matter to me. The religion exists. And it's ironic that they were in an Islamic nation and they were predominantly Christian or a lot of them were Christian, but the the Chaldees, that's, that's so that's way, I mean, you're talking way before beyond our reach way before Islam. I mean, you're talking thousands of years. And, uh, there's something actually have an amazing resource for people. So there is a dictionary. It's called a Hebrew, Latin, and English dictionary containing all the Hebrew and Chaldee words used in the Old Testament. It's massive. Wow. You really, people want to get into this? I mean, you're talking thousands of pages. It's crazy. So just maybe look into that for those who want to take this further. Does it have a name? Is it like a concordance uh, or something? No, that was, that was, that was the title. Uh, it's by a gentleman. Uh, he wrote it for a king. His name is Joseph Samuel Christian Frederick Frey. <laughs> Even his name's He's, a thousand pages long. Yeah, yeah. And it's, right, like, well, it's amazing. I'll tell you what, Dylan, we've got to wrap up hour one here. And when we come back, we're going to get into so many. I mean, we, he, he's got seven pages of notes here. Tubal Cain's going to come, all kinds of things that I know people are interested in. We kind of touched on the Archon, Polymarch, the Basilisk. We're going to get into Caduceus is on, on offer here as much as we can get through. Um, we've jumped around a little bit, but yeah, the problem with things like this is, is we jump, jump around so much. But Dylan, do you want to let folks know primarily how they can find you online and certainly the three books that, I, by the way, I've read them all now. Um, you need to let people know where they can get those. By the way, the first two, for anyone getting started, it's a good way to get your feet wet. Yes. So the series you're referencing is called Spirit World. World is spelled W-H-I-R-L-E-D. And it's actually named regarding spirit world because a lot of this is spiritual, but also going back to Tubal Cain and the roots there from cosmos to mundi, it's all pertaining to the world of the zodiac. This world is world by words and wards and symbols. And so that's uh, the series Spirit World. And then uh, I also have a fiction series called The Tale of Honora, O-N-O-R-A. It's a play on the word honor because everything in life from the systems we deal with to our spiritual path is all based on staying in honor. That's the way to support my work. As far as online goes, I don't really want to be found. And the people who do know where I am say that I'm so censored that they actually have to type in my whole handle just to see. Otherwise, I won't even come up in the search. So they, they got me good. And so I just yeah. want to sp- say especially thank you to Crow and Jason for uh, giving me a platform. And if you're listening to this online on the YouTube, please head over to Crow, C-R-R-O-W, 777radio.com and pay this man because these gentlemen put out such wonderful work that you cannot get anywhere else. The amount of guests and the knowledge that they bring to you from all over the world, you get that for $7 a month. I mean, it's like most people would kill for the access to things that they bring to you and you get it for almost nothing. So please support this work because if you don't support them, there's not going to be anybody around bringing this value to you. And I am a paid subscriber. I still pay. It brings value to my life like you wouldn't believe from every subject you can imagine, from health to knowledge to alternative ways of thinking, just everything. So please subscribe to them if you haven't already. <laughs> so funny. I, I have it planned that if it ever comes to the time when we're the last one, I'm giving the last of the Mohican speech where the last Mohican alive gives that soliloquy. <laughs> you know, my son is going like to the side to 
like an arrow to the sun, please accept him. And then at the end, he says, I am the last of the Mohicans. Sometimes it kind of feels that way. Let's be the Seminoles. <laughs> uh, one way you could find Dylan, just so you know, I, I search him out. His first name is spelled D-Y-L-A-N. His last name is spelled S-A-C-C-O-C-C-I-O. And believe it or not, uh, Amazon's still pumping through some of the stuff, but that does bring hour one of episode 279 to a close. We're going to open up. I'm on the fence. I think we can maybe run this on YouTube. I'll think about it before I do it. But the second hour we can open up and we don't have any qualms. We just, we cover everything as it should be covered. Not that we pulled punches here, but sometimes we try to gear it so we can run it for free to as many places as we can. Uh, at this point, I don't think it matters. Everyone on YouTube's pretty much coming over to the site for the first hour anyhow. It does there- matter, bro. Analytics, though, I was listening to this gentleman, Curtis Stone, who you should probably have on. He's an organic farmer. He was saying that like 80% of his analytics of his views are not coming from his subscribers. So you have no idea the reach that you're getting from all over the world that might pull them over to the website that they're not really subscribed into you. Your videos are popping up in their algorithm sometimes. So definitely keep the YouTube. Well, I, I do. People get pissed off, but I've protected that. And so people get mad that we run bumpers, but we've got to do what we've got to do. But Absolutely. anyhow, you know yeah. what, when, when we come back to let's touch, people have keep asking me to touch on the great conjunction. So Dylan, we'll do that when we get back. Okay. But I'd like, I'd like to wish everyone a happy, healthy and higher minded end of this era, which in my view is as close as I can come the 21st where the sun goes to die for this year. But there's oh so much more coming on the tail of that. Join us over at Crow 777 Radio, C-R-R-O-W 777 Radio. Uh, Members will be able to access the second hour. There it is, man. Cheers.
is the enemy of knowing. Come on.